Can I get an amen? You got an amen? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Hey, y'all. Welcome to Can I Get an Amen? We are hoping that anytime you tune in with us, we're leaving you a little bit better than you were before we found you. In our podcast, we hope to ignite something inside of you as we share our passion for personal growth, finding our God-given talents and gifts in this world, and also our love for living an intentional life. And that something sparks inside of you um, makes you, you know, shout out. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Father Nick Dupre for our Lenten series on the 10 ways the devil oppresses us. This is the fourth topic. So let us know what we're talking about today. All right. The fourth way that the devil oppresses us is through harboring resentments. And so for our scripture quote, this is St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. St. Paul says, put away from you. All bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so that's that's the pattern that we're called to follow. I I like to say this a lot. There is no Christianity without being forgiven in that. See, seeing it that way keeps that primacy on receiving forgiveness, receiving mercy. It's why we have this penitential right at the beginning of how we worship God. I confess to Almighty God, mm. you know, mea culpa. And receiving mercy is the only way to follow Christ. Put it like that. And so what the devil does, however, I put it like this to describe how the devil does it. He, he gets us to blame and accuse others for troubles in our lives because that is exactly what he does with us. After he tempts us and leads us into sin, he then doubles down, I call it the second punch, is a one-two combination on blaming and shaming us. The first punch, he leads us into temptation. He tempts us, we fall, and the second punch is he blames and shames, mm-hmm. right? And so... We we have a tendency to do that is hang on to that wound of being accused. Right. That's a that's another title for the devil. He is the accuser. Right. The, the Lord, he has a way of convicting. Right. The Lord promises that at, with the, the the in the passion narratives there around the Last Supper discourse, he promises us an advocate one who will help us. Yes, he will convince the world of sin, but the way that he does it is through drawing us through cords of love and mercy, wanting to heal us. When the voice of the accuser comes, it it, it hits us and we feel rotten. And it's, I can think back to times, I say BC, before Christ, before my conversion, where that sort of colored my perception of others. It was a hindrance to just giving love without wondering if I was going to get love back, you know, or is this, is this something where I can be comfortable? Can I be kind in this situation? Will it come back to me? Is it cool here to be kind or can I be myself or can I be vulnerable right here? Well, there's all these, and it's because we're kind of living out of being under the weight of Satan, blaming and shaming, blaming and shaming, right? This is what he does. And so 
it winds up reducing our capacity to bear with one another's sinfulness. Right? It's a good spiritual work of mercy is to bear with one another's wrongdoing. Um, a very, very powerful thing to engage in. Definitely something to consider for Lent. It could be a wonderful sacrifice to offer a pleasing sacrifice is to bear with others wrongdoing it can be done with silence uh, if you're strong enough maybe with a smile <laughs> and and with a patient word mm. or a word of encouragement to perhaps lift that person out of that misery anybody who sins is miserable right sin never makes us happy um and and so it it again it flows from the way that the devil treats us again after he's the doggone one that moved us into this place away from God, he then boom, oppresses, blaming and shaming. And so guess what that teaches us? How to wrong and deal with others wrongdoing the wrong way, right? Oh, well, you did this. You're hearing the voice of the evil one. You're listening to that when you throw things back in people's face. Think about how the church administers the sacrament of reconciliation hidden with dignity we don't expose we will we will suffer any kind of penalty that might come to us by way of a civil government if put on trial somebody makes an accusation and they want to try to get a testimony from us because they figure that we heard their confession we will be silent because of the the dignity that the lord affords us as sinners that we do not deserve how can a priest or anybody else for that matter, not help but cover that sin, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. And so what the devil will do is, and this is something I want to give a little tip here too on how to not harbor resentment. I call this the ancient practice of forgetting, choosing to forget. Uh, there is a very satanic uh, saying that just pervades society. And again, let's go back to something that Satan is. He's the prince of the air, right? And these things travel and people pick it up because their hearts need healing from God's mercy. And I forgive, but I never forget. That is satanic. That is satanic. You need to know that. Is there some truth to this in the sense of setting a boundary and somebody maybe needs some counseling? Sure. But in terms of avoiding the devil's trap of harboring a resentment for somebody inflicting a wound on you or offending you, mm -hmm. you have to make an attempt to choose to forget because it's in the remembering of someone's sin that you're allowing yourself to be tempted to harbor the resentment. So yes, as soon as the devil plays it back in your mind and throws this back and plays the tape, let's say, it's... You have to exercise your will in that moment and say, no, my Lord has died for my sin and for my brother and my sister's sins. I don't have to remember this. The Lord has forgiven these sins so far as he's removed my sins from his sight, as far as the east is from the west. And so this sin has been conquered. And that's very important. But the devil would have you believe you're your own God, that you have a right to punish sin, right? No. Not if you started with a confession, not if you ended your prayers last night with an act of contrition. That's been a staple of Christianity since the beginning, that we should confess our sins. We should exercise contrition. We should do penance. 
We should deny ourselves. We should remember the sacrifice that this cost our Lord. And so living out the what we call the virtue of penance and self-denial and not puffing up and making ourselves into gods when somebody hurts us is a, is is very, very important, you know, to keep from harboring resentments. Dude, I know. Um, oh, my head's going all over the place. It's so hard to forget. Um, I think sometimes I, I think I'm quick. I think I'm quick to forgive. I don't even know. So, Lord, forgive me if I'm being a little egotistical right there. But it's often hard to forget when someone hurts us um, because I think like the neuro pathways in our brains were trained um, to survive. And so, you know, that I think that there's just a part of us in our human nature um, that, that that part of the forgive and forget is so difficult for a lot of us. Um, but what I think that hit me the most with everything that you just said is imagine if our Lord didn't forget. Because mm-hmm. I feel like every time I walk out of confession, I am forgiven and it is forgotten. And it's the devil that gets in my head when I have to go back to confession and confess the same sin again. It's the devil telling me like, oh, you're going to go say this again to him when I really do have to truly believe that the Lord forgives and forgets and that he knows my heart and my intention and that I'm working to not live in the same sin. And I think once you can actually feel that, and experience that, that is the weapon that you use to fight, you know, mm-hmm. those same sins that you might find yourself committing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my struggling to forgive. That's what I'll tell them. I'm like, well, how often are you recalling this? Have you tried to pick up the rosary or just grab a crucifix in that moment? Jesus, you have conquered this sin. Yes. That still hurts me. And I'm haunted by the memory and the pain of it. And or they're a repeat offender. They, mm-hmm. They've already done it 12 times. Okay pick up that cross every time, you know, and, and choose to forget it. Um, just one more quick quote, Psalm 103, verse 12. I quoted it without citing the, the location in scripture. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the East is from the West, so mm-hmm. far does God remove our sins from us? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and yes. You know what I've realized is that I thought I knew myself and the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize I had no idea who I was. That's the right movement, though. Right. Because yeah. I would have said, oh, I'm so good. I don't hold grudges. I don't. But the more that I've learned to feel worthy of that, that level of forgiveness that I see in my own children who are like naive and not of that fallen nature yet. Or they have the fallen nature, but they're not in that active state like as adults where they're so you know torn and wounded that they hold resentments against you. It's almost like I don't feel worthy to receive their unconditional love. And if I feel that way from them and they're human, it's made me realize that I haven't been receiving and felt worthy of that love and forgiveness from Jesus. And so even though I'm quick to say, oh, yeah, you know, I don't struggle with this. Or I don't struggle with that. It's usually that thing that I actually struggle with. And he <laughs> brings it to me and says, then why do you blame and shame your kids? Then why do you blame and shame yourself? Then why do you want to throw your husband under the bus when he's done X, Y, and Z? Really, it's me. It's mm. me that's still hurting. And so it's so crazy sometimes, this journey of growing closer to him, because you think you knew yourself. And he's like, 
No, child. <laughs> you didn't know a thing. Come here. <laughs> Let me love you and show you yes. what real forgiveness is. Yes. And that's when I realized, like, oh, that's what it feels like. And then I'm like, oh, how do I do that in return? You know, like, that's a level of love and true forgiveness that is really hard to live out. Um, so this one, I don't know what the the rest are, but this one is one that I definitely feel very called to practice this Lent in my own house. Yeah. Because it's hard to, like, choose to let go and not want to blame somebody else for your pain. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, as I'm going to ask this question out loud, I think I already know the answer, but I mean, I think it's more about us than it is anything else, right? Like, we have so much trouble forgiving ourselves mm. that we certainly don't do a stellar job of forgiving other people. And if we could just learn how to forgive ourselves the yeah. way our Lord forgives us, how much easier that would be for us to forgive others that have wronged us. Mm-hmm. I agree. I find that I can't give it to myself until I've received the the Father's forgiveness, yes. though. Oh, yeah. I can't give to myself what I don't have. And, and I know that I've got it. Every time I go to confession, it never fails. And I do it a lot. I go two, three times a week and it never wears off. It it, it never fails to just, I'm serious, brighten my mind to see a different potential in people. Yeah. That's one of the main reasons why I do whole life is working with my brother and sister sinners. You know, we're all repentant believers. Right. And, but going again and receiving that mercy I'm not seeing people according to their failures as much because I'm too preoccupied with how much the Lord has forgiven me. You know, uh, what is it? Is it John eight? I'm probably messing it up, but this is the woman who comes in crying on Jesus's feet. Those who have been forgiven of much love much, mm. you know? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I love that a lot. Lord I knows I've mm. been forgiven for a Mucho. grande. I'm a good sinner. I'm good at it. I, I pride myself on being skillful. I'm very skillful at sinning. Um, <laughs> but I'm getting slowly but surely a little more skillful at forgiving myself. Because, I mean, I can remember just a couple of confessions ago, I had to go back. I'm like, dude, I don't understand. Like, how can he forgive 20 years of sin? That's how yeah. long it's been since I've been in here. How can he do that? Yeah. And the priest was like, it's, it's, he already forgave you, boo. Yeah. Like, you need to forgive you. As far as the East is from the West. Yes. Who was it three. that said, how often do we go into confession and confess the sins against our own selves? Oh. Was that not in this room that Probably, we said that? It was. Because that hit me. How can I expect my relationships to change with those that I love? Or mm-hmm. how can I expect myself to be better for those people if I can't even forgive myself? Or I'm not even examining, going back to the last nugget that we talked about, my own self to say, I owe myself some forgiveness. Like, I need to confess my the way that I treat and love and talk to myself yeah. or allow the devil to, like, drag me around by a leash yes and how do we become aware of whether it's satan's voice or god's voice if we don't examine that and if we don't look at that and confess Mm. that but i love what you said because i've never heard it put this way if we want to see other people differently 
going to confession is the best way because we'll have that mm. merciful. You preoccupy with how much God loves you, yeah. forgiving you. Because what are you doing in confession? Are you not giving Him your trophies? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you were giving him the worst. I called him diaper changes. Yeah, thank you. What? That's what I said. As a father, I, I still call it that. I'm changing everybody's diaper in the confessional. Oh. Yeah, they're they're not giving me anything that smells like roses. Yeah, right? but they come out smelling like it. Mm. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but I like it. Good. And uh, I wanted to redeem myself, uh, so it's not John <laughs> eight; it's Luke chapter seven, uh, verses thirty six through fifty about the. Uh, much forgiveness, you know, leads to much love, but it, specifically John, uh, Luke chapter seven, verse 47. If somebody wants to go to that and, and seeing that, you know, you're trying to get over that resentment, holding that grudge, uh, that, that quote that's being f- floated around now, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die when you're the one who's dying spiritually mm. by holding that mm. grudge, you know? Um, yeah. Again, one of the greatest remedies is going and receiving forgiveness. Um, and if you say, I don't know my sins. I mean, I just went, I just went, I don't, I don't know why you go so often, but I just went. There's a practice of using the sacrament of confession called a confession of devotion. It's a very unique thing where you go in Totally not despairing that God has forgiven you, but just the opposite. Totally convinced that God has forgiven you. And in that awareness, you go repenting of previously confessed sins. You see, because you see how great his love is. And you go in and you tell the priest, I'd like to renew my contrition for my past sins. And the priest might make sure you're not being a scroop. That's what I was thinking. Right? Um, yeah. It's a tricky, it can be a little tricky Yeah, no, thing. I get that. Yeah. But so, sometimes it'll just flow out. Bro, I probably need to do that. Of, a, of another, per- but somebody might come in with like a legit new sin. Yeah. Okay. Something they haven't previously taken to, co- to the confessional, but it'll flow out of that discussion. It's like, I, I thank the Lord, you know, I'm no longer back there and I, I'm still sorry for that. And that's a beautiful expression of love, mm. you know, but it, you know, that can be one way to kind of lean on the sacrament. Even if you're not aware of new sin, God hasn't lifted that veil yet. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, you go and you re, you get preoccupied with his merciful love and you, you see people better. Mm. You do. And you love yourself better. And you said it, Christy, like we cannot love anybody well if we don't love ourselves. Yeah. If we don't love ourselves the way the Lord loves us. Look, well, so we're about halfway through Lent now. So I'm going to challenge us again. Hit the confessional. You know, fight your fear if it's a fear or go in and renew your contrition. I didn't even know that was a thing. Thank you, Father Nick. Um, and if you can't because you're not there yet, I've, I, I'm, I've been there. I get that. Um, but. Take a good deep look inside of yourself and find somebody, whether it be someone you love, someone you know, or yourself, and practice this forgiveness that we're talking about. And I was going to say, pray for the desire to want to go to confession. Yes. Amen. Amen. Another good one, y'all. Yep. Another good one. Anything else, Padre? You good? Amen. Amen.